Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com. I'm your host, Todd Curtis. Today we have a special treat. This is the audio portion of the online Google Hangout show, This Week in Airline Safety. The following show is from November 7, 2014, and I discuss the ongoing investigation into Spaceship 2 and the changes this inspired me to make to airsafe.com. Welcome to This Week in Airline Safety. I'm your host, Todd Curtis. Today is November 7, 2014. And the last week or so has been rather eventful, this time around not in the airline side of aviation, but in the aerospace side of aviation. Uh, specifically, just over a week ago on October 31st, Spaceship Two, which was the uh, suborbital spaceship being designed by Scaled Composites for use by Virgin Galactic, suffered a uh, flight test mishap that led to the loss of the, uh, of the spacecraft and the loss of one of the two crew people on board. Uh, this has led to a bit of a rethinking in the mind of the minds of the public and in the aviation industry as to the usefulness of a space program, especially one that on the surface is uh, existing to provide people who happen to have a, at least a quarter million extra dollars to take a suborbital ride into space and to claim that they too have visited space. Now this also made me rethink things in a different light. Uh, the goal of airsafe.com from the beginning has been to provide the public with useful information about aviation safety and to allow them to make decisions about uh, their own personal choices for air travel, baggage, etc. Uh, this is an area, space, that airsafe.com has discussed before and had actually had some content on the main website, specifically about the uh, accidents with Columbian Challenger that led to the loss of the astronauts on board, plus a short history of other spaceflight uh, mishaps. But last week's event made me rethink how that should be portrayed on airsafe.com. The bottom line is space is moving into a phase, or rather space exploration is moving into a phase, where it's no longer going to be just a large-scale governments and, frankly, multinational corporations supplying hardware and services to those governments who will be flying into space. Uh, obviously, Virgin Galactic is going to be taking people in uh, for essentially as observers and not necessarily providing uh, scientific experiments and, and such in space. But there are other companies out there, SpaceX being the most prominent, which are private, not a government entity, and obviously has a high level of equipment, high level capability in the space of, in the case of SpaceX, they have demonstrated an ability to put large payloads into orbit. And in fact, they're developing a crewed vehicle which will be used in a few years to ferry astronauts and cosmonauts to and from the International Space Station. They're not the only companies out there. There will be others. It begs the question, if you're going to look at space as far as people going into space is concerned, what sort of perspective should you have when it comes to measuring the risk relative to what's gone on before? And bottom line on airsafe.com, what I've done, decided to do, is to go back in and to rethink what should be listed, what should be discussed when it comes to space-related accidents. Whereas I had a, a page before that had deaths of NASA astronauts who died either during a mission or during training or doing, during their time as a, an official astronaut or an astronaut candidate, I've decided to expand that to include that group of people as well as anyone else who may have had a mishap during any other space program, both run by the government and run by private industry. Obviously, the Scaled Composites Virgin Galactic event of last week 
would fit that criteria. But there are two other specific programs where, like with Virgin Galactic and Scaled Composites, they had a vehicle that had the capability of flying into space. Space, specifically, being defined as 100 kilometers above the surface of the Earth, which is the internationally recognized uh, boundary of space. The two specific programs I had in mind were the X-15 program, which ran from late 1950s to late 1960s, which had a total of three uh, uh, rocket planes, basically, uh, several of which, well, on two occasions, they exceeded the 100-kilometer boundary for space. And on several other occasions, they were able to fly it above 50 miles above the Earth. There was one X-15 pilot who, during an X-15 mission, was killed. Another program was something called the Manned Orbiting Laboratory. And this would have been a small space station which, uh, when you strip away the, uh, the, the explanation of what that was, it was basically a giant spy satellite. Rather than having a giant spy satellite that was automatically controlled from the ground, it would use Gemini-type hardware to fly two astronauts up with it, stay with the satellite and the sensing equipment for some number of days, and then come down again. There was one candidate who was in that program who died during a training accident at Edwards Air Force Base. And after the program was canceled, several of those astronauts actually transferred to NASA, and roughly a half dozen of them flew on the space shuttle. Well, be that as it may, what this ended up uh, doing is there's two new pages, very much expanded with respect to any event that has resulted in a death of a U.S. astronaut, that is a NASA astronaut, an astronaut trainee, uh, payload space specialists, people who may have flown on, let's say, the shuttle, who are not full-time NASA astronauts, but who died during a mission. Perhaps the most famous of those is Kristen McCullough from Challenger as well as anyone who was in a flight test, ground test, etc., involving a vehicle that was capable of flying into space. And I also included mishaps where the vehicle was lost, but maybe the people survived. And it turns out there were quite a few events. Um, the first one, where there was a vehicle mishap, loss of vehicle, was actually back in 1961, the second suborbital flight for the Mercury program. Uh, Virgil uh, Gus Grissom was the astronaut, nearly drowned, capsule sank to the bottom of the Atlantic. It stayed there for some number of years. It wasn't recovered until 1999. And then we had, well, just last week, the Spaceship Two mishap, where the aircraft, the spacecraft, was destroyed. One of the two crew members was able to escape. And on the other side, looking at any kind of disaster in space or involving a space uh, flight, there are several events other than the most well-known ones. Of course, the Soyuz 1 crew that was lost for the Russians, the Soyuz 1 uh, capsule which crashed and killed the one cosmonaut on board. There was also a case, 1975, the Apollo-Soyuz test project. There were reaction control fumes. I believe it was, um, uh, well, it was one of the fuels uh, used for the reaction control system. Fumes came into the, into the, into the capsule and the three astronauts, including Thomas Stafford, who was uh, on Apollo 10, they were hospitalized for a couple of weeks. And there was another uh, abortive uh, flight for the Soviet program back in the mid-1970s. Ended up being a long suborbital flight, very extensive or very extreme G-forces inside the capsule. And then, uh, reportedly, one of the cosmonauts was not able to fly again and it was ha hospitalized after this. So, bottom line, the events of last week, caused me and other people to rethink how we should look at uh, 
space, and in my case, how to look at the risk of flying in space. That led to some changes on the website, and I invite you all to go visit the website. Specifically, if you go to space.airsafe.com, you'll come to the page that's talking about the Spaceship 2 event, and that will have links to all the new content that I've just discussed. Well, with that, we'll close out for the week, and thank you very much for being with us here in This Week in Airline Safety. For more information about the Spaceship 2 investigation and about the added content on airsafe.com, please visit space.airsafe.com. If you'd like to provide us any feedback, or if you'd like to be a live guest on This Week in Airline Safety, please contact us at feedback.airsafe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.